Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Well, this is becoming a bit of a trend. For the second Sunday in a row, I was seated in Crow Park with many, many thousands of other fear gales, watching the Camogie quarterfinal between Cork and Kilkenny that was happening in front of my eyes, while also trying to watch the cricket on my phone, while the rugby under-20 semi-final was happening on televisions directly behind me. This is what happens when you roll with cricket madman. <laughs> Is the phrase I'm going to use. Cricket madman, Oshin McConville at Crow Park. Hello and welcome to today's Second Captain's Podcast. Hello there, Simon. Hey, Murph, how are you? I'm, well, I'm very well. I'm very well. I was a valued guest of Oshin's in Crow Park yesterday. Uh, and I was there, actually, along with his other podcast wives, uh, Paul Rouse, uh, historian, uh, author, uh, polymath. Uh, of UCD <laughs> and the Irish Examiner. That's uh, what he describes himself as. The Irish Examiner football podcast. And Thomas Nibsey Niblock of the BBC's GA social podcast. It was an absolutely brilliant day. Uh, the hurling was sensational. Uh, it was a privilege to be there. Privilege to see TJ Reid still do it. Uh, I actually had a game myself on Saturday evening. So I was spared the heartbreak of watching Galway get mown down by Limerick in mm. brutal circumstances. But it's all ahead of us. Jamie Wall and Malky Clerken will be ready to rumble on Wednesday with a huge review of the weekend's hurling. And you'll only be able to hear that if you're a member of the World Service. Massive few weeks of games in the GA coming up. The Women's Football World Cup as well in July. So why not have a think about joining us for just five euro a month plus five. Wow. Go to Great value. Cap- Simon, who are you telling? Go to secondcaptains.com forward slash join and take it from there. We don't think you'll be disappointed. No. Murph, back to the hurling. Henry. Yeah? Backed the wrong horse? He backed the wrong horse. Well, certainly... How, well, how are you to know that a man who's been managing Kilkenny for 24 years is just going to decide he's not going to go for... No, for 23 years. How do you know that he's going to decide, you know, 2022 is the year he steps away? So obviously, I mean, what Derek Lang has done as Kilkenny manager 
I mean, I'm struggling to remember more. I mean, it's Paisley taking over from Shankly. It's like the only... Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's supposed to be disruptive, you know, when mm-hmm. a guy who's been in charge of your team for a quarter of a century steps away. But it has been so seamless. I mean, sitting there yesterday, just watching them in... I mean, the admiration is literally boundless. It's just every single time they will play as well as they can mm. for as long as they can in every single game they'll roll with the punches and then it comes down to injury time and you'd be a crazy fool to back against Kilkenny in this situation so it has uh, I mean it's been it's been a remarkable kind of uh, transfer of power from Cody to Derek Lang but again like there's nothing we should be surprised about you know there, there was no one you know, baying for Cody's head in the camp. There was no one, like, kind of phoning it in for the last couple of years. Or there was no one uh, who was kind of relying on Cody to motivate themselves for the last five or six years. Like, all these guys just do all the right things all the time. So, you know, it just, it was never going to change as a result of, um, uh, as a result of a managerial change. As for Henry, I mean, I think Henry could be, could have been a very fine manager of Kilkenny and he you know probably will be at some stage in the future but when it comes to managing Galway I mean you know you're you're not dealing with kind of intergenerational winning mm. which is what Kilkenny is all about uh, and so it, you know it comes down to a lot of tactical nuance a lot of you know when it when you're a manager of Galway going up against Limerick you need a brilliant plan A Henry had a brilliant plan A but Nicky Quaid had a, I'm going to say, a suspiciously well-timed contact lens issue about 26 minutes into the first yeah. half. And in the two and a half minutes that it took for Nicky Quaid's contact lens issue to resolve itself, uh, Paul Kinnerk was out on the field, uh, told the Limerick half-back line and half-forward line literally exactly where to stand on the goal at puck out. And the game was over. Mm-hmm. Like by halftime, like, goal were still a point up at halftime. But the game was actually over. Limerick had just, in-game just completely revolutionised how the, how the game was going to be played and I think it's a, it's kind of moments like that that tell you that for all that Jim Gavin was a legitimately unbelievable harnesser of the powers of the players in front of him and for all that Cody was kind of the arch motivator for you know you know two decades in game there might never have been a coaching ticket as good as Kinnerk and Kylie at actually changing games at like in game within all it needs is like 90 seconds just give us 90 seconds to get to 20 minutes to figure it out 20 minutes to be under the cot yeah. 90 seconds to get the message out onto the field and that's it but what about Shefflin's counter response this is it you know like it, the counter response is when you have when you have a squad that you've worked with for 7 or 8 years and you can they can actually enact the, mm. the you know the, the response to the opposition's response and, and that's it you know plan A worked but you need plan B and you probably need plan C it's mm. very similar actually to the, that, that Gavin Dublin football team where you can kind of rumble them maybe or annoy them for 35 minutes but they're going to sort it out so you have to have a new plan that's a lot to ask mm. that is a lot to ask I think ask. for Henry though I was listening on radio is not like a football job where it'll probably change after three, four, five years anyway. The Kilkenny job might come up once in your lifetime and that's it. I don't think there are many people that will have Do this job for a quarter of a century. Yeah. Do you know, I think it takes a very special person to, 
to, mm. very, spe- uh, very special type of person to actually put yourself through that for a quarter of a century and to not even feel that pressurised by it. I mean, Cody, you've said that all the time. It's like, well, sure, what else would I be doing? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, Brian, you know. <laughs> I mean, I have some ideas, but I mean, obviously these are not ideas that have even come to you. So why would I spoil, why would I spoil your fun by suggesting other things that you could do mm. with your time for a quarter of a century? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable stuff and I'm looking forward to hearing what Mal and Jamie made of it. Uh, on Wednesday many of you have been in touch with me about the retirement through injury of one of the well greatest Scottish rugby players of all time mm-hmm. and I'd like to thank you all for the dignified sincere expressions of grief that you sent on to me and the second captain's Twitter account most of them still including the Twitter account of said rugby player for maximum sensitivity so well done all of you mm. for, for doing that I mean I, I, I'm sure he would have been gratified to see all of those messages yeah. I mean what is going on at this podcast Anya listen it's all the messages like it's a tragedy this yeah. lot is over not yeah. career over he, did, he probably didn't need to read all those tweets that made it sound like a bunch of cruel, heartless bastards. When really, it's just me. To be fair, yeah. You know, let's not tear the company with the, the meanest slot in podcasting. It really is. It really is. So uh, I've, I've, I'll, I'm crafting. I've, I'll say my piece <laughs> in due course. Uh, we, and that's after we've spoken to Rory O'Connor in just a just a moment's time because mm. it has actually been an unbelievably emotional few weeks for the Irish under twenty yeah. rugby team. They've qualified for the World Cup final after a huge win over the host South Africa yesterday evening. Uh, watching the game back. Watching them over the course of the last few weeks, we're big, big men. Yeah. That is yeah. what we are. Uh, we actually bossed South Africa around a bit. Yeah, it's not new for us to have a good underage team. The 2016 team made the final and lost to England. But it's new for us to have, like there was around 70-minute mark, we had a scrum and sent them back four or five metres and won the penalty. And it was kind of the end of any South African belief. But it's one thing for us to outthink and outcoach South African sides particularly at underage level, where they're generally a bit bigger than us for yeah. their age anyway. But then for us to have the power and muscle and aggression, and that's a South African team at home. It's kind of a new thing for us to watch. But this, like we talk about special groups, but this really is a special group in terms of talent. They've won the Grand Slam. The types of players they have, the likes of Gleeson in the back row, Prendergast out half, the McCarthys, tons of great players. But they their ability to cope with what's happened off the field, and we get into this more, or the ability to cope with what's happened off the field, and then things thrown at them on the field over the last 12 months or so is kind of unprecedented. For what are a lot of them still 18, 19-year-old young lads, as massive mm-hmm. as they look, they've still got those young brains inside those bodies. Yeah, and we're playing France in the final on Friday night. They've got some size about them as well, though, Simon. I've been oh, reading geez. today. Jesus. This guy, Pasolo Tuolagi, he's the son of Henry so Pasolo's 145 kilograms. He's 18 years of age. Okay, what's that not in our money? I mean, am I literally the last person under 70 to still be asking kilograms to be? Will, well, Will Skelton is 140 kilograms, and he's considered maybe the biggest rugby player ever. Yeah. That's good. You know, there's yeah, yeah, bigger yeah. guys who aren't very good. But I actually looked up 145 kilograms in stone, Thank and you. Google answered me in tons instead. So he's three twentieths of a ton. Jesus Christ. I mean, great white sharks are measured in tons. <laughs> Elephants are measured in, in yeah. tons, not second rows. Mm. Yeah. That's extraordinary. It's a decent gene pool, the two laggy. So what, we're, we're, it's 23 stone, is that what you're saying? E 24, I think, yeah. 24 And he's, a, he's 18, so he's still got time to put a flesh on that frame of his. You know, Simon, I'm a big man. Yeah, you know, you by, just, yeah, by yeah. people who walk around the yeah, street. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, if you... you 
I, I get accosted sometimes. People yeah. say, you're a fine big size. Yeah. You know, people say that to me. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it's not that I'm weirded out by that. Mm. I'm a little weirded out by mm. it, but that's fine. 24 stone is a full 50% of me more. Yeah. And he can pass and, you know, he's skillful. He's not dope. <laughs> like me, is that what you're saying? Well, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, like the French league is starting to change. So you know, a few years ago, 120 kilograms was a massive second row, and that seemed to be sort of changing the paradigm. And now they're starting to bring through these lads who are 140 kilo. There's your man Arnold from Australia as well, and it's just it's getting a little bit ridiculous. Mm. Now we've our own massive fellas. What Gleason is like 110 kilo, but he's a back row and he motors yeah. along. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of getting to a point you hope it's maxing out at this point. Can it go much past 145 kilograms? I hope not. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Bang to the head. This was given to me by one of these guys. Right here was a hell of a rugby player. And they beat the hell out of black and tan. Defense of the Railroad! It's the bang to the head. How many times have you lit bastards been told, eh? Followed by another bang to the head. Anyone wearing orange is not welcome in. <laughs> Mr. Biden, a quick word for the BBC. They've not put my hand in my pocket since I left. They paid me 500 pounds. BBC, I'm Irish. If any fool wants to pay me £500 to gibber and jabber, I'll take his money. Ireland are in only their second ever Under-20 World Cup final after they hammered the whole South Africa in the semi-final yesterday. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent uh, is with us. Rory, how are you? Thanks for coming in. You braved the weather, so we appreciate it. That's not so bad. Uh, The action on the field and the wins, and there have been a couple of spectacular ones, it's kind of only been a part of the story of this team over the last 10 days or so. Absolutely. I mean, this was a pretty special under twenties team leading into the tournament. You know, like they had already won a Grand Slam. They have some. There was an, really expectata- an expectation there, nearly that they could try and do something pretty special. Yeah, and I think because this tournament hasn't happened for a few years, there was a reason to kind of not to know what to expect. You know that mm. that you know because of COVID, we haven't seen a New Zealand or Australia under twenty side. There was a competition in South Africa last year with the South Africans, but it was a bit open. And because of the profile of this team, in terms of they're very big. For an Irish under-20s team, they are they are sizeable. Mm. Um, they've already won something this year. Often Ireland have had success during this kind of under-20 era in, in the spring and then gone into the, the summer and the other teams have peaked in the summer. This time Ireland, and like, like 16, which you mentioned, they've backed it up. But along the way, so yeah, there was a reason to really tune into this and watch it. And Prendergast, Stan Prendergast, the out-half, is, is a 
potential superstar and, and looks the part and they have some really good players but obviously along the way during this tournament they have been brushed very very strongly with tragedy and, and it's I think people because of that have almost fallen in love with this team there seems to, there's such a reaction to them people are watching them they just want them to succeed and they're you know, whatever happens on Friday when they play in the final, they'll come home with their their reputations burnished because of the way they've 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 responded to the the death that has that has affected them. Yeah. So this was last week. The the two past pupils from uh, Saint Michael's College uh, that died in uh, Greece. There are six lads on the team from Saint Michael's who all would have known the 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 two lads who died. Um, and then this uh, this horrible tragedy with Greg Oliver. Um, who died in a paragliding accident in Cape Town. He was over supporting his son, Jack, who's in the squad. Greg is a former Scottish international Munster rugby elite performance officer. So it's the tragedy of um, a teammate losing a parent, but also th- a lot of the players would have been, uh, per- would have had a personal re- relationship with Greg as well, which makes this, uh, you know, not just a tragedy for one player, but actually for so many of the squad. Yeah, and it's, you know, if you go back to the spring, um, Tom Tierney passed away, a former Ireland 20 coach who is also a Munster development coach and ha- would have had hands yeah. on a lot of these players and they would have suffered some grief there. I think there was a guard of honour by the Munster Academy players. I think a lot of the players were, were discharged from Ireland duty to go down to that funeral. Um, and Greg Oliver would have had an influence on a lot of these players. You know, He would have been, been a figure in their lives. And also, I've covered, I went to Argentina in 2010 and covered the under-20s and the, the really the only people who were over there supporting them are parents you know it's kind of a family thing you know there's no fans really go yeah. to this thing so there's a batch of parents who are probably on the same travel um, companies ticket they're all travelling around together so every parent they and they, they go out together they have dinner together they, they, they there was probably I think there was other parents on the paragliding uh, excursion with Greg Oliver that day so they, they, that's a tight bond that you develop over the course of this trip and to to, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. Well, I can't imagine. I can put myself in their shoes, but it's it's as a team for your teammate to go through that on the eve of a game. They just done their press. Richie Murphy had spoken really eloquently about the Michael's connection and, and losing the two, the two young men in Greece. And then the news came through about Greg Oliver and and you know Jack Oliver had been named to be on the bench the next day. They they pulled him out of the squad late on, and they went and it was a bit of a hairy. They, you know, because Fiji are a decent team and they kind of got through it, but you were wondering whether a bit like Munster Glasgow all those years ago, not all the, a couple of years ago with the Axel Foley thing, where they just going on, you know, where they on fumes and mm. what they run out of steam, but they seem to have rallied around a cause. Um, you know, Richie Murphy spoke after the game yesterday of of kind of that sense that they've now achieved something that they they want to bring something back to the Olivers. They've had messages from the family um, who've returned back to Ireland with with Greg Oliver's body ahead of the funeral. Um, and I guess that is the kind of thing that can galvanise a team not to be tried about it I don't think any of them would mm. in any way place what they're doing here as any way more important but I guess what brings a team together only that united sense of being through something so mm. yeah. fu- that's fueling them at the moment Yeah and you know Mickey Hart uh, has spoken a lot about not uh, not using it as fuel not not saying that we have to do it for this mm. person because then kind of a, a sporting a lack of su- success uh, in a sporting sphere in, you know, if you look at it a certain ways, you know, it, it, it you you then think that you failed, you know, the family or yeah, failed. Yeah, it's attached you know, too much to when, the result, When, of yeah. course, it's, you know, they're, they're two separate things mm. entirely, but at the same time, there is a cause and there is obviously, you know, massive eyeballs on this team, I think, as a result of kind of what they've gone through. And even the sort of the pre-match preamble with uh, before the Fiji game, 
I found it very affecting actually you know and uh, that's the sort of thing I think that that as you say kind of makes it's, people fall in love with teams a bit yeah you know? and for them it's a shared experience rather than a cause I think it's just that that's something that they all can relate to each other from no one else can really understand from the outside exactly what they've all been through so it brings them together and they were already a very good rugby team and they're probably I guess those times where they go between the white lines they're doing what they 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 want to do what they enjoy doing so they don't have to they're able to think about a ball and all the things you know their their, mm-hmm. their their plan and all that sort of stuff so they don't have to think about the real life stuff that they're going through as very young men a long way from home albeit with their a lot of them will have their families there there to, to help them but mm-hmm. I think when they you know there will be an emptiness at the end of it all even if they lift the trophy and they'll they'll you saw that what it meant to them to get to the final yesterday to beat South Africa on their own own patch was was an amazing achievement. But I'm sure when they go home, there's a little bit of emptiness. I know sports stars are selfish, but they've just it's this is a really tough formative period in their lives that 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 will you know they have got a lot of support. I think the RFU have talked about they've got counselors out there and and they've got support from I think South Africa's My Players Union and stuff like that as well. So there is things for them to lean on but you know this is you know beyond the sporting element that it's a really it's a, it's a really human story you know yeah I was nearly more worried about them for the South Africa game because mm, it happens so close to the Fiji game it's still in that surreal phase and it's not sinking in and then you have the few days after and you're facing a home team who are fired up and a much better team than Fiji as well but just their performance and then to survive that onslaught from South Africa in the first half they're like they're mentally strong on and off the field you know what I mean yeah. uh, to recover from what's happened off the field but then on the field this huge South African team are coming at you it's looking like the game is going against you but they stick in and stick in as they have done over the last season or so yeah I, I think the fact that they've all grown up watching Ireland as a successful Ireland team they have all yeah, they are all really good players. Some of them are the best players in their position in the world right now. You know, Prendergast is probably the best. Certainly from the games I've seen in this yeah. tournament, he's the best. Un, he's best under twenties, number ten. Yeah, in this tournament, probably in the world, Gleeson's right up there as a number eight. Um, Ruan Quinn, Paddy McCarthy's an awesome player. Like these guys have no reason to fear. Like they they are in the academies of some of the best teams in the world that you know we've lost that complex that you know when, when people our age were coming through Irish rugby had a they're building on the shoulders I guess of the, of the teams who come before them and that gives them a sense of belonging and a sense of self so I think when South Africa throw I, I think they knew they were better than South Africa this is not a, cla- a brilliant South Africa team this tournament doesn't have uh, a brilliant New Zealand team either the best teams in this tournament are Northern Hemisphere teams who they've already played it's a bit of a we'll come back to the rugby championship I think a bit later at the moment the best rugby has been played by teams from the north you know and yeah. particularly by Ireland and France but the two best rugby nations in the world right now and that gives them confidence so when South Africa were throwing out everything at them they knew having gotten through a very difficult game against England you know a really challenging game against Australia having managed their way through a Six Nations with a Grand Slam at the end of it they had something to fall back on. So excluding the kind of the, the traumatic element of what they've been through over the last couple of weeks as rugby players, they had no reason to really believe that they couldn't come back from what South Africa or, or endure what South Africa mm. was throwing at them. And that, I think for people of our vintage, is still something we're getting used to in Irish teams. But this is a really talented, confident group of Irish young rugby players. And it's a, I think it's going to be, we're going to look back on this. Like the throughput from 2016 was very high. You know, We've already got players from that team who have... 50 odd caps yeah. they've won two Grand Slams they've got I think seven Ireland internationals in that team from that, that squad like one, Porter, Keane and Stockdale Porter, Keane and Stockdale Jimmy O'Brien 
James Ryan was the captain Max, Jim, Deegan. Um, Max Deegan was the world player of the year and he's probably a cautionary tale that mm. it's not this doesn't make um, Sammy Arnold would have been in that squad Will Connors was initially in that squad Fak Abdeladze has gone on to play for Georgia and then Terry Kennedy is probably the best one of the best sevens players in the world so the throughput has been really good from that team and that's what's important really from this mm. is obviously that you want to see them win it but I think we're going to look back at this and we don't know which ones because we don't know what, whether a 19 year old and Gleason's a year young he's going to be underage for the 20s again next year I mean mm. that's just and he was a brilliant hurler he's a, you know, he's a tip yeah. hurler he's a, obviously a monstrous physical specimen <laughs> um, so yeah I think there's there's a uh, there's a reason to believe that we'll look back on this team as a special one and I believe that maybe one or two years down the line that the next batch is not going to be as great what you need to do is our, and Razi Erasmus described Irish rugby as like precision farming we've got to get as many of these through as possible because you don't know what the next team is going mm. to have and because of the size of this pack it's quite special Look, Can we talk about Gleeson in particular I mean mm. you'd never you wouldn't have needed to watch a rugby game in your life to realise this guy was special Um just the power, the pace, the variety to his game, has the skills, all those bits. As you said, grew up in Tip, small town in Tip, uh, played underage for the county. Um, but just, like, he's a marked man, clearly. Like, he's been good for a long time. So that Africa would have been targeting him. And they they couldn't even slow him down, never mind and stop him. Absolutely. Well, I, I believe a year ago in Munster, they weren't quite sure, that, you know, whether he was going to be able to put it all together. And obviously, he's still got another year left in under 20, so he doesn't need to put it all together yet. But in this year, he's made incredible strides. You know, I think in the Six Nations, he was he was dominant. It was a bit of a surprise. We didn't start the England game, but he came on and made an impact. And then I think they had the Fiji game in mind. They were almost trying to manage the group. But the way he scored that try, that, you know, that, that, that try that, that he barreled the Lotus South Africans out of the way en route to the line... It's the kind of try a South African under twenty player would score against an Irish team who are physically just not exactly up to the task. Thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like South Africa's technique wasn't great. They didn't. It, it wasn't a pretty. You know, if you were if we were a South African podcast reviewing it, we wouldn't be particularly happy with the tackling. <laughs> yeah. But that's not Gleason's problem. And I, I love his energy. I love the way he seems to have a lot of personality in the way that he plays. You know, he's not a robot. You know, so often the players are really making an effort not to show any emotion. But he was. He was living it, you know. You can see how much it means to him, and I think people will feed off that. And like, as I say, you know, Ruan Quinn alongside him has already played for Munster and is a really exciting talent as well. Um, and they have a few people to get out of the way to get into that Munster team. Never mind that Ireland team in the future, but certainly you can see a lot of of what would make a very good professional rugby player in him already. And and I I wonder whether his development, because it's a World Cup year and players will be away, will he be? someone who can go straight in in October and start making a mark for the province. Yeah, it's kind of a question I'd have, you know, that, um, you know, we are very slow to play young players, mm. slower maybe than every uh, than any other test nation, I would say. Um, and there is kind but of... That's this, why you, this team is a little different in that they are physically stronger than most of their opponents, mm, which yeah. is normally our way. We yeah, normally so, survive through ingenuity and coaching. Yeah, so do you think maybe that we might see these players quicker than... You know, 2016 seems like a long time ago, and I still feel like Hugo Keenan is a relatively new well, a new name. But on. the funny thing is, though, that the Hugo Keenan, it, it, that him, him and Jacob Stockdale are a really interesting there because Stockdale was yeah. that team was really surprising. That Schmidt basically fast tracked three of them right in straight in the following year. Ryan and Porter are still there, but Stockdale, while he's in the World Cup squad, has a massive body of work to do. Whereas mm. Keenan. In fairness, I think was a late developer in in the kind of classic sense. He, he he never came out of that as the big star, but he went and built his career in the AL, yeah. went off at the sevens. 
Um, and we've gotten a little bit better at it. Like Larmer was in that Grand Slam team and he was a year behind those guys. So it, I think if you're special or if you're considered to be kind of advanced, they will get you in. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they've used this under-20 tournament as almost a proving ground to get a contract. So if you want to get into the Leinster Academy, you need to make the under-20s. Um, so you're in the sub-academy. And yeah. it's, it's quite delayed. You know, really players don't make it at 21, 22. I, I did a radio show with Keith Wood um, a couple of months ago and he wanted Prendergast in the World Cup squad. He thought he was good mm-hmm. enough now. Why wait? Now that was in the back of the first game in South Africa where he played for Leinster but Leinster have a very methodical plan and they just don't seem right they're willing to break it for even a player as special as Sam Prendergast so uh, yeah, like I think fans will be impatient to see a lot of these players and and if you look at say Jack Crowley two, three years ago 2026 Nations he was in, in, in the, the under 10 sorry number 10 for the under 20s yeah. in the, and in a team that was going to win a Grand Slam until Covid hit and it was only 2022 by the time we actually saw him play regularly for Munster and Ireland and now he's possibly going, probably going to a World Cup, but could he have been in, you know, should we have another five, six caps in him because Munster didn't take a chance on him with Frank Grant. So there are definitely examples. It's the, it's the lack of clubs really, isn't it? I mean, if, you know, yeah. if you've got like 12, if you've got uh, 10 teams in, at the top level of English rugby or 12, or, mm. you know, there are more places for these guys to go and actually get responsibility. Yep. You know, that's, and that's yeah. just the nature of it. And Sephora has said that, you know, they, they don't, the, the RFU performance director doesn't feel like there's enough opportunities for young players and that's why he did that emerging Ireland tour of South Africa last year which was quite controversial and, and they played three pretty useless teams and mm. but they got something out of it um, but he sounds like he wants to take young players on tours of New Zealand you know there was some talk that they might buy London Irish I don't think it's going to happen but something like that where they can get players into a team that they can still control mm. you know I suggested to him half jokingly would you set up a province in Cork you know like mm. there's a big market there waiting to be exploited and what he said kind of that'd be popular wouldn't it you know he wasn't ruling out that kind of idea you know yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. split Leinster I don't know what, what the idea is to yeah, kind of you know you don't want to diminish what you have in terms of the brands because it's a pretty tight market in terms of actually getting people you know they're not selling out all the provinces as mm. they are but in terms of the player yeah. throughput it is hard um, Max Deegan's classic example world player of the year uh, under 2011-2016 he's got two or three caps yeah. Burley gets his game with Leinster he's behind Conan yeah. and, and, and Caelan Doris and he can't really argue that no no um, you mentioned Prendergast there I thought he was having a twitchy World Cup mm. up to this game and came in with a lot of hype. As you mentioned, Keith Wood thought he, he should even go into the World Cup squad. I mean, a lot of the hype as well is because we're so obsessed with 10, because the succession to Sexton is, is a constant talking point for and going, it's on open. And going on about eight years. Yeah. And it's open and it keeps fluctuating yeah. and somebody goes from second to fifth within a couple of months. And he, you know, he's clearly very talented, extremely composed. But in this semi-final, when they really needed him in a game where they were really pressed those two cross kicks uh, for the two tries on the wing, kicked five from five uh, off the tee and just looked, I thought he played by a mile the best he's played in the tournament yeah, in think, the biggest game. I think he's been patchy, but there have been moments of undoubted class. And even in the games where you would say he has played patchy, he has still come up with these killer passes or, or these kicks. And some of his line kicking from, from hand, you know, from penalties has been right on point and has got Ireland into their position to strike from malls. Against Australia, they played in a bog of a pitch in horrible conditions and they would they mauled straight over the line two or three times and if they didn't maul they, they, they were winning they were kick, you know, getting themselves in position to do it they got the bonus point they needed to put themselves in position to get into the semi-final so it, it's, it certainly hasn't been as impressive as maybe he was in the tournament last year in terms of the moments and probably not as consistent as the Six Nations but his timing has run well he is 
dealing with a lot of pressure on his shoulders, I suppose. But I think he wears it well. He, yeah. he just looks like Johnny Sexton to me. I mean, it's 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 a it's almost like we've got this regen machine, like championship yeah. manager. When you got to the end, you know, when you played it too long, and suddenly <laughs> Zidane reappeared as Enzo Fernandez or something. Uh, like you know, O'Driscoll <laughs> retires, and two years later, Gary Ringo's appears. Yeah. You know, O'Connell retires, and two a couple of years later, James Ryan appears. I know they're different, but mm. I mean, he just looks like he's come along at the right time. And and yes, this is applying major pressure onto his shoulders. But if he doesn't make it, then you've got. Jack Crowley, you've got you know Ross Byrne, Harry Byrne, there, there is other players who who can do it, but he just looks to have that bit of class that other players have. And look, he's not yeah. going to be Sexton necessarily. We may never have another Johnny Sexton, but he yeah. he has all the tools and he he's just great to watch as well. It's funny. He reminds me actually of a young Connor Murray in terms of his composure. Or you know those personalities who they don't even have the option to worry or stress. It's mm. like it's not on their list of options. Yeah. Um where he's in tight situations or he's just made a mistake and there's nothing about his body language, nothing about his facial expressions, nothing about his next play that shows he just made a mistake or is having a bad game or just missed a few kicks as he did earlier in the tournament. And as we know, out half, the most important trait, composure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And he's physically tough as well. And he's being coached by Richie Murphy, who we should mention because you know he, he was a very good AIL 10. He was part of the Ireland setup under Joe Schmidt and Andy Farrell and then opted to switch into this role. Um... And I think has you know was the skills coach for Ireland, and I'd say his Im- influence on on Prendergast has been has been pretty good. I think he's he set a system up. Look, he's behind a very good pack who are dominant as well, which which really helps. But I think I, I keep going back with this team to Andy Farrell during the Six Nations was asked a little bit about them, and they just trained against them. I think it was it was one of those open training sessions at Viva and he said, "Look, they're running our system better than we are." And he wasn't joking. It was almost a dig. I think he got he just said the same thing to the players, and like mm-hmm. these guys are, ac- are executing better than you are right now. And Prendergast is at the heart of that. He's not alone. He's, he's part of a very good team. And that unflappable nature that he has really will stand to him in the years to come because that's really the key to it all, especially if you've got all this pressure. Like if, if people like us are talking about it in different studios across, mm. people want you to be in the World Cup, you've got to be able to own that. His mm. brother being a pro a couple of years older, mm. it's three of his team have, player, have, have brothers in the senior squad ahead of the World Cup, which that has to stand to you as well, I think. Mm. It, it's it's normalised a little bit. It's not this unbelievable achievement it's like my brother can do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Have Keane's been capped, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just on yeah the, a lot on of the younger f- brothers just like nodding sagely. It's like, yeah, what? I mean, I know there's nothing I can do, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no one even cares what I get up there. Uh, I tackled him once. Uh, France are incredible, scary. Yeah. Um, you were saying that you watched back and I was watching the, the Six Nations game between the two sides and it was one of those in the first half where you almost want to look away from the TV and come back and check the score and Ireland have lost by 40 points. It was that sort of, it was heading that direction. Mm. Ireland win the game, win the Grand Slam which again just shows how doughty Ireland are, but also how good France are. Yeah, they're able to weather storms. Now, France have added a couple of players since that game, including uh, Pasolo Tulagi, who people may have heard about, but he's 145 kilos and 18 years old. He's the son of Freddie Tulagi, who was a very, very big and very good rugby player in his day. And he, he looks like the complete package. He just looks like... I, I thought looking at the highlights of that Ireland-France game and watching France play New Zealand early in the tournament, they look like a senior team. They don't really look like an under-20s team. And Ireland... You know, the way they're, they're shaped, the, even the shape of their bodies, they look a bit like this is as close to senior professional rugby as you're going to get. I think it's going to be a really good final. I, I would have a little bit of a fear that France are too strong, but I wouldn't write this Ireland team off. And, and Andrew Osborne, Jamie's younger brother, is a very good addition as well. They will get, I think, one at least one of their suspended players back. I haven't double-checked, but certainly Hugh Cooney, who was suspended for a high tackle in the first game, I think will come back. Um, so they'll be they'll have a bit more, a few more options to choose from. Hard to 
take anyone out of South Africa, the team that beats South Africa, though. It'll be a very tough final um, against a really, really high-quality French team who, who, as I said earlier, some teams peak for these World Cups. I think France do that. They almost delay the introduction of players to try and, you know, if an 18-year-old guy isn't ready for the start of the Six Nations, they'll get him in towards the end to have him ready for the World Cup. So it's it's probably weighted a little bit in favour of France and it will be a disappointing way for it to end. But really, I think this team has already shown that they have... A lot, you know, they, they will go down as a really great Ireland or twenty team. Having gotten to this point anyway, they will. A lot of them will become top level professionals, I think, and that's really what this is. Was important about this, but because of the story and what they've been through, you would love to see them finish the job and go home with some happy memories from South Africa. I know they will already have some, and I'm sure they've had some good times as well. But this, you know, what they've lost is far greater than whatever they'll win on the pitch. Yeah, um, there was also some action in the rugby championship this weekend. Mm. And uh, looking at the scorelines, I, I couldn't help but sense that maybe once again, uh, the Springboks and New Zealand, their uh, demise has been greatly exaggerated. That at the, right at the exact moment we needed them to continue <laughs> their uh, lacklustre form, they have, uh, they have turned a corner. Well, I think it confirms what we kind of already knew about the World Cup draw, that all the good teams are on one side and, mm. and that maybe sacking your coach just before the World Cup and getting a new, new one in isn't a great, uh, great thing <laughs> yeah. to do. So like, I, there was a, a few things in Australia's performance against South Africa that, that I liked, but at the same time, they didn't look like they were cohesive in any way. Whereas yeah. 43-12, South Africa. Yeah, was, it was yeah. tight first half and they left a lot of points. Reese Hodge missed a lot of points. Um but ultimately, they got they got South Africa. You know, they got Springbok. There was just um, you know power. Curly Rand said that there is going to be the superstar of this this World Cup. I think he's going to be the Cheslin Colby mm. of this World Cup. Yeah. He's, mm. You know, speaking it, of clones, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and and the thing with South Africa is they are more expansive now than they were four years ago. They've got Libok, Andre Pollard's out, so they picked Manny Limbok, who people would have seen playing for the Stormers in the, the, the in the URC. Mm. Who's definitely not a, big, a traditional big talk up before the final? And then. Yeah, he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful player to watch, but he's not a controlling ten, no. and I, he's at odds really with everything we know about Nina Aber and, and and Erasmus. And, and while, South Africa's whole history, they've never had a non-controlling yeah. ten. Well, they're a very different team now. They're a much more diverse team yeah. now than they've ever been in their history, which I think you have to to, yeah. to kind of point out. Like their pack is still very Afrikaans and, si- and sizable, but they and and kind of true to their 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 their, their history, but. They're 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 definitely Erasmus has diversified and and leaned into the strengths that that diversity brings and like their back three they have a queue of of incredible back three talents they've they brought on uh, Grant Williams the, the Stormers or sorry the, the Sharks scrum half who's been brilliant in the URC this season but bigger picture I think it's it, it certainly look New Zealand South Africa were always going to be threats to this World Cup. I don't think the quality of opposition this weekend. You saw told us nothing anything. this weekend, Rory. Nothing that gives you any sense of any fear anything, whatsoever. I wouldn't I love it. I, not to fear, but to because I think they will only learn about themselves when they play against the two best teams in the world, mm. which are Ireland and France, mm. and against each other, which is this Saturday. Mm. And we'll know more about them. And South Africa actually sent a delegation of players over to New Zealand early to prepare for this Saturday's game. So that wasn't even, as Eddie Jones um, said himself, basically, you know, he, he was challenged by a journalist about them being a B team and he said he should show some, some respect. But before the game, he'd actually made a similar remark himself. This wasn't the Springboks at full strength, no. but yeah. they were at altitude at home in Loftus and they've got some very good players including Jean Klein obviously the former Ireland international who had a good debut at, at, at second row really good debut what do you think about this personally take out the journalist for a sec um, well my fundamental belief is that international sports should not have a transfer market mm. and I don't think Jean Klein should have so, played so no James Lowe no well, I think whatever, the, I, 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 I think the project player thing where you sign the player to play for Ireland 
was wrong in the first place. And I think this is a legacy of that. So John Klein, if you if you come, I think the five years works. If if someone comes to Ireland, and, like John Klein had come to Ireland and done his five years, yeah. that's he's done his time. I think that's that, that's fair enough, and he played for Ireland fair enough. But I think the three year thing was I never agreed with it. Um, I have no nothing against any player who took took the offer and played for Ireland and stood for the anthem. I don't really hold it against John Klein to go back and play for South Africa because, as he said repeatedly this week, it's what he always dreamed of doing. Um, and if Ireland wanted him, they could have picked him in their World Cup squad. South Africa voted against this law change where you can go back and play for the country you qualify after three years. But you know, Razi Rasmus is a smart man. Um, ultimately, I don't think he's going to be at the well he might make the World Cup but he's not going to be their starting second row but he's a, he's a very good player um, but how do I feel about it it just doesn't feel right to me change your mind once maybe not twice I don't mean really you shouldn't but be you allowed were, like I, it, they should have limited to countries like Tonga yes which, which is who it was meant for it's going to be a big Tonga. factor at this World yeah. Cup you know it's it's uh, Australia sorry Scotland's number eight um, isn't it Mark Mahan is, is, is a former Australian no mm. Jack Dempsey sorry he's a Jack former Dempsey, Australian yeah. international it's not, you know, Ireland have women's internationals who've played for England. They've got sevens players who've played for, for Australia. We are doing this ourselves. It just, we haven't recruited Freddie Burns to play for the international team, but we could if we wanted to, you know. It's, it's, it's there for, for us to use as well. So I don't think, and I think they would, if there was someone of high enough quality, like Dan Kelly, the England centre, is Irish qualified. If he had three years stood down, I think Ireland would do it because Ireland have shown that they're willing to exploit these rules as much as anyone else. And you look at the Scotland squad that Ireland play against regularly, there's 20-odd players there who've been who've qualified under either residency, heritage, or through this rule. So South Africa are not alone in doing it. It does feel wrong when the strongest and richest, well, they're not richest, but the, 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 the mm. biggest depth country in the world are doing it. But why shouldn't they at the same time? Um, and when they're doing it to us, I just don't... The whole thing with John Klein, the way he was parachuted into the World Cup squad just after qualifying at the expense of a 70-odd cap kind of institution in Devon Toner, just fe- it felt wrong at the time. I wouldn't have agreed it as a decision. I think it destabilised the squad. And then they never picked him again and he's gone home and he's playing for, for, for the country of his birth, which is a kind of a nice part of it. And he's actually married to an Irish woman and has a, 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 a newborn baby. Yeah. From you know His wife is from Galway, I think. And, and I think he feels like Ireland is much very part of him. Maybe it's a very modern story and I'm very old-fashioned. I don't know. But it's I do think that fundamental... Like when I see runners running for Qatar or Turkey who are clearly... who are, who've been recruited to do so, I feel that's... I don't feel that's in the spirit of international competition. I mean, if we're going to do the anthems at the start and do all of that stuff, then it should mean something. Mm. And John Klein p- playing for South Africa feels right. Just the fact that he played for Ireland first is is is, is, is the funny part of wrong. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I I broadly agree with you. To be honest, I think five year project players is you know you you make a commitment to a country there. Mm. Um, I don't I I actually don't have that much of an issue with it as long as it's not. Yeah, but I mean, I I think the idea that you can change your mind again. Yeah, it, you know it's when it's Ireland. If you're tier one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think and I don't think just... it's going to happen again. I think it's a very unique story because the project player thing is being phased out because it has gone to five years. So I don't think, you know, maybe you see a Bundyaki. It's not going to happen now because of his age, but yeah. maybe go back and play for Samoa or something like that. But I really don't think this is a quite unique case, and that's why there's no point in getting too head up about it. It's mm. just a quirk of the rules changing midway through Jean Klein's yeah. career. He was but quite d- young coming we... over. Uh, pick him when we shouldn't and not pick him when yeah, we should probably, yeah. He's a better player now than he was four years ago. Mm. And I think Munster, the way Munster played this year, his skills, like I always felt what held him back was he couldn't catch the ball yeah. a lot of the time and he made a lot of mistakes at the World Cup and um, he didn't, he wouldn't fit what Andy Farrell did then but I think they could have got him. I thought he should have been in the wider squad for this World Cup. But when he actually comes to picking four or five locks, I don't think he gets in personally unless he's had a really good pre-season. You know? Treadwell. 
well, you know, you've got Ryan Baird, you've got Joe McCarthy, you've got then you've got I think Ryan Henderson and, and Ty Byrne are the top three, yeah. and then you're picking from those on on, on a Klein. Um, I think he's a better player than Kieran Treble probably, but I think does Treble fit what Ireland do? He's beaten the All Blacks. He's been part of this setup for a couple of years, and Andy Farrell has proven himself to be a very good selector. So there's an element of trust there as well. So I think Ireland are not as obsessed as Joe Smith was about getting that big second row of kind of filling that deficiency that Ireland have. I think Farrell just goes right. This is what we have. We're going to go with it, and I think that's healthy. You know, yeah. and they they could have got Klein in for this, and even to do it to try and stop South Africa getting it, if they had wind of it, would be the wrong reason to do it. If they don't. Yeah, think he's good enough for the Ireland squad. Yeah. They shouldn't fear the fact yeah. that he's in the South African yeah. squad. He's unlikely to be a factor, really. No, yeah, yeah. for either team, Ireland yeah. or South Africa. Yeah, and New Zealand destroyed Argentina in the other game, forty-one twelve. Uh, Damien McKenzie at ten, Bowden Barrett at fifteen. Looks like they've sorted out their scrum. May have sorted out the out half situation. I mean, <laughs> this is the sort of thing that does kind of put the put the the scares up me. Yeah, well, I I kind of feel that their form in this championship is more relevant to the World Cup form line than what happened in the Six Nations. Well, that happened in March for starters. Well, yeah, it's, it, they and I always also, have. I felt under Schmidt they were always going to improve once he came on board properly. Absolutely, and they have their players are too good to not be you know good at this year's World Cup. But at the same time, there are question marks hanging over this New Zealand setup. You know, they are changing. They've already decided the coach is not the coach for the future. They've they've got a, a rock star coach coming in after this World Cup, mm. who's kind of been doing media a little bit, not right before the tournament, but you know he's already appointed his coaching team. You know, that's kind of that's weird. That is weird. A lot of the players are heading off at the end. Like this, it's a last stand for a lot. A lot of them. Uh, I don't understand why you pick McKenzie at ten and Barrett at fifteen. I would I'd switch them. I just think that's I, I, that's that's kind of moving the, the the chess pieces for no real reason. Um, yes, oh, they really? have you a didn't better. Think McKenzie was. I thought he, was, he missed a couple of kicks. They still haven't. I think Mwanga is probably the the best of the three of them anyway at ten. But I, I, you know, I don't think you're. There's not. If you're asking that question now, it's still not great because it's still so close. They've made so many changes during this cycle. They have got Ethan the Groot's a really good loose head. They fixed some of the issues that Ireland exposed last um, last July. And turn, their their tie five looks more dynamic. But it's their the second rows still don't strike fear in the way maybe South Africa's do. And while they were clinical and really well drilled and played lovely rugby on on Saturday, Argentina were terrible. And it was like one of those. It was like a November international back in the day where they used to come to Dublin and just run their plays and everything came off for them. And, and the, the Schmidt, like their accuracy was, was off the charts. But so Argentina are a weird team at the moment. Czech is, he's took, taken over a little bit before some of the other coaches, but he's still trying to get them on side. They don't play rugby championship or they're not in super rugby, any, sorry, not in super rugby anymore. So they're kind of drawn in from all over the world. I, I would reserve judgment on them until maybe after Saturday because I think Saturday's game against South Africa will be a real good uh, proving ground for both of them um, and will tell us a lot more about them but again I think those two the, the four teams on our side of the draw are are the, the teams that should win this World Cup yeah. unless they take so much out of each other the, Argentina and Australia just look so far off it and you got to remember in November uh, New Zealand were hammering England and, and let them back like a dire England team and drew with them you know like there's still fragility there mm. I think and, and Ireland and France are in their heads uh, Stuart Hogg retired with mm. immediate effect. Now he's supposed to go to after, the World, Cup after the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I'm composing something at the moment in my head. Please allow me um, my privacy. Incredible career in some ways. Yeah, hundred caps, record try scorer for Scotland. Right. Yeah. Three Lions tours. Yeah. Won the double with Exeter. Didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Won, yeah. won yeah. Europe and the league. URC with Glasgow. Yes. Um, Captain Scots away wins over France and England, which for them is massive 
Um, how do you see his overall career? Like, I mean, I think he's a modern grade of Scottish rugby, but that he looked like he was a player who could take them to another level. And I think ultimately the fact that he's retiring before this World Cup, having gone out in the pool stage, I think he was captain four years ago. I'm almost certain about that. You know, was not. Uh, a great, you know, I I would like to see him battle it out and go for it. If if look if if what he said in his body is 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 true, then fair enough. Like you know, if he can't do it, grand. Um, good luck and 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 it is a great career. I was there in Murrayfield when he won his hundred cap and he had the kids on the pitch and it was quite nice, but it was also went on quite a long time and and you know his brother was interviewed at halftime. Uh, there was in, a lot in going front of on the entire stadium. Like, yeah, yeah, and he didn't really back it up in, on the day. You know, he, he he often didn't, particularly against Ireland. I don't know. Maybe we judge him unfairly because I, mean, I think England have a really strong perception of the Scotland team because they they often beat England. They get up for that one game, and they are a little bit where Ireland were maybe in the early two thousands, where they just kind of they're able to beat certain teams on certain days, but they can't do it consistently. And overall, he will go down as a, he was a very talented very exciting rugby player he was very unfortunate in 17 as a lion because he was on track to be the test 15 and, and he ran into Conor Murray's elbow and he broke That's his, right. broke his yeah. cheekbone like that will, could have been the thing that defined his career because if he played in those tests and they may have you know they drew that series it was it's a kind of fondly remembered lion series mm. that might have tipped the balance you know I think he was very good and great in a Scottish context but you got to win one of those Six Nations or you got to get yourselves over, out of that pool in one of the World Cups to kind of... I suppose they nearly took out, was it uh, Australia in 2015 only for that refereeing decision? Mm. But yeah, a very good career. Mm. Weird timing. A but bit very like weird. Uh, Alan Jones. Very and like it, re- yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, you wonder whether there was a, a bit of kind of like, I'm not sure you're going to make it, Stuart. Maybe you should take... You know, there's a suggestion of that with Alan Wynn as well, who's gone to sign for Toulon now for a lap of honour that maybe at this that they fancy Blair Kinghorn a little bit more that... I thought it was weird. The, the summer Ireland won the series in New Zealand, Stuart Hogg was rested for the summer tour of Argentina along with Finn, Finn Russell. And it was kind of a suggestion that it was after the, the, the kind of the night out mm. uh, uh, that some of them got dropped for the Ireland game the previous year, kind of disciplinary stuff. And Hogg took up a position as a Sky analyst that summer and covered Scotland's games. And Jamie Ritchie made a decision during one of the tests to go to the corner when he should have kicked the points or vice versa. I can't remember exactly what it was. But they came back to the studio and the sitting Scotland captain had, was asked to preside over his stand-in live on national yeah, yeah. On, on TV. I was like, I could never see an Ireland player no. doing that, and I don't think it would be accepted either by the Irish public or by the Irish management. And that's there's always been a bit of a sense that himself and Townsend were never, while they they were mutually beneficial to each other across their careers. I'm not sure, a bit like Russell. I'm not sure how tight they were, and when those little disciplinary slips happened over the years, and Scotland have had a habit of them. He's never been that far away from the, the, those things, you know. So um, I wonder over the course, and I remember I, we spent a lot of time in the same city as Scotland in 2019 and they did go out an awful lot during the tournament. So I wonder, <laughs> did, uh, and it was during a break in games, but you know, I wonder if he's looking at maybe I can go a younger, more disciplined, tighter group. Maybe that, that generation have done their time, but this these kids, while they might not be as talented, might stick to what I want to do. And, and mm. he's a bit of a kind of a Schmidt-Jones kind of style coach, Gregor Townsend. Mm. Uh, I'm gratified to hear that the Irish press pack can't run with the Scottish rugby team. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may have crossed paths from one to <laughs> Very magnanimous words. Listen, Rory, thanks for being Thanks, lads. What does it look like? A turd-up, is it? Yobs. There's an incredible podcast on at the moment produced by the second captains. Biggest load of bollocks. The second captain's show in Ireland. We're now getting to that point now where we are inspiring. The second captain's podcast. 
pretty much we've done for the last 20 years. Be role models to kids. Hey, Pat, do you want to split? Did Rory mention something about an Eddie Jones press conference there? Eddie, you uh, expressed your disappointment during the week that you weren't playing the first choice Springbok side. Well, I changed just... a bit of relief now. No, no. I'll tell you what, you are good at it, mate. South Africans are good at winning. Eddie, you took a team to... So carry... you don't have to be a smart-ass, mate. <laughs> Eddie, so you took a team to Carisbrook many years ago after yeah. defeated Loftus. Are you looking for a similar performance next time? Yeah, no, 100%. We'll bounce back. I've got, no, got no doubt that we'll bounce back. Like, we were well and beat, well and truly beaten today by a Springbok side. That old mate's calling the B team, right? So I never knew there was a Springbok side that was called the B team. But now we have a new term. So we weren't good enough. So we're going to front up next week. That's the only thing. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. And you don't have to be a smart ass, mate. You don't have to be. A I love you, Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. There we go. Uh, 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 he gets up from the press conference. There's more shouting back and forth between the journalists. It's all just good Eddie Jones fun. Yeah. You know? uh, it's, I, ki- it's kind of hard to say you've got the upper hand when you're still narky after the presser ends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you and they did actually just lose to half of South Africa. Like, there's a whole other South African team waiting in New Zealand. Yeah. And as Eddie, as Rory said, Eddie Jones literally said something similar yep. the, the, a couple of days before the yeah, game. Yeah. Threw a few grenades, as they say in rugby. <sighs> I know this is usually where Ken says something like, I do like Eddie Jones, uh, but he's marked absent today for... <laughs> Eddie Jones' win-loss record, by the way, at this stage. is oh. pretty bad. The last three years has been patchy, I would say. <laughs> but uh, Ken is marked absent today for extremely painful reasons, which we outline in our other show, which is out already today. Now, Simon, mm. we touched on it briefly uh, throughout the show. I know many of you have been anxious to hear my thoughts on it, so I have one mm. final thing to say today. I had a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. Stuart Hawk turns up to have fun winning the bloody World Cup. I love it. Stuart Hawk. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs> Stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos and with muffled drum, bring out the Twitter statement, let the quote tweets come. He was my north, my south, my east and west. My working week and my Sunday rest. My noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that Hog would last forever. I was wrong. You know, I had a huge amount of belief within the boys um, to come down here and win. Stuart Hogg turns up to have fun winning the bloody World Cup. I love it. Stuart Hogg. I believed in the boys' ability. Man of the <laughs> Scotland are a disgrace to work for. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for their understanding at this time. I hope you'll understand my need for privacy over the coming days. All that remains now is to thank you, Simon. Thanks, Murph. Thanks a million for listening. And of course, the Second Captain's podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. 
it's the opposite of that it's to persuade us of the world outside of that that's why sports important planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 